This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When you need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason LaCanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, guys. The playoffs are here. Carl Dukes put them up along with my man Jason LaCanfora. Brian Baldinger will be here as well. Later in the week, we'll take a look at what's coming up in the divisional round. But, Jason, man, we got a lot to chop up, brother. I mean, this was yes, a sir. crazy weekend. It was it was one of those weekends where you watch stuff play out, like, for example, the Giants-Vikings game. And I told you guys, I told you guys, yeah. they were favorite champions. But we'll get to that. I want to start with the 49ers just putting it on the Seahawks. Because, you know, we've been talking about this role the, the 49ers have been on and this winning streak and how good they are. And everybody's talking about can they win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. That is now a re- realistic question for this 49er team. They'll take on the Cowboys next weekend. Mm-hmm. Can they win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? Well, we just might find out. Um, it wouldn't you know shock me if they represent the NFC. And once you're in, then, you know, obviously anything's possible. Uh, I mean, he looked like novice quarterbacks in their first playoff game tend to look. Like he looked like that for about a series and a half. And then he completed a couple of passes. Uh, the screen game got going. And then it just it just rolled, right? Um, he clearly is very comfortable in that offense. He clearly is very comfortable in his own skin. That team clearly rallies behind him. And, like, does Kyle Shanahan force him to carry the heaviest load in the league? No, duh. I mean, yeah, if you can scheme it up, right, if you can put guys in positions to succeed, if you have a stud left tackle, if you have uh, a stud running back, a stud tight end, a stud whatever Debo is, whatever you want to call him, offensive weapon, do-it-all guy, um, you have other dudes who can win for you on the outside. Yeah, I, I mean, but look, we've seen that offense this year. We've seen that offense in the past, and it hasn't always looked like this. You know, even with a healthy Jimmy G, it hasn't always cooked like this. So I think we need to give this young man uh, his flowers and, and his due. Um, I, I think it's not like it's too big for him or he's going to start freaking out because there's a star on the helmets of the teams on the other sideline. Like, I don't think that's going to phase him that they're facing Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. 
Um, and he'll probably play pretty well. And I think they'll win that game, might even win that game handily. And I, I don't know, Carl, I think that's just going to improve his confidence. I, I don't know that he's going to get nervous or shakier as we go through this thing. I think we may have seen in the first quarter um, whatever nerves or jitters he's going to have until we would get to a Super Bowl, which obviously sure. is a very different – that's a very different stage. The uh, the quarterback situation, Jason, now with the 49ers, you're not bringing back Garoppolo, right? You got Trey no, Lance. Under, you got yeah. Trey Lance under contract, and they can't franchise him. The way this deal was worked out, they can't franchise tag Garoppolo, so they'll move on. You've got Trey Lance under contract, but I don't know anything about Trey Lance. I don't know if Trey Lance can do what I'm watching Brock Purdy do. So if I'm the 49ers and I'm Kyle Shanahan. Win or lose, no matter this Sunday, uh, whether they, they move on to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy's my quarterback, right? He wouldn't be for me. I mean, I, I would spend this offseason giving – like this – I mean, we're seeing Brock Purdy or Brock Purdy here, and the offseason was all about Trey Lance to the point where they didn't even want Garoppolo in the building to steal a single rep from him. So if you think they were repping Brock Purdy up, you're out of your mind. So if you were to give Purdy, afford him all of those privileges, right? Afford him um, that possibility of having, you know, March, April, May, June, all about me. You know, it stands to reason that his development only uh, uh, increases. Um, and look, I'm I'm not thoroughly convinced that, Garoppolo has a soft market. He comes back to them and they trade Trey Lance. You know, I, I don't know if they want the dynamic to be two young guys who really do need every rep they can get. Um, we saw Garoppolo literally get banished for an entire offseason, come back to them and play better than Trey Lance. That's you right. know, so we'll see about all that. But in the short term, um, you know, again, Super Bowl is a different animal. But I think, I think Brock Purdy's – you know, he'll make a mistake. He'll throw a pick. Like, there'll be some bumps. But I don't think the fact that now it's the division round is going to make him shiver. It's a fascinating story. It's in the huddle, guys. Jason Lock on four. Carl Dukes with you. We put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. We're glad that you're checking us out. Tell your friends about us. We go inside the NFL tell you all the latest stories, uh, everything that's going on through the playoffs into the offseason. And, you know, I'll say this about this game, and then we'll move on. This is taking me back, Jason, nostalgia. Mid-90s, I'm I'm really finding my, you know, this is when I'm watching football all Mm -hmm. the time. I'm, you know, 93, 94. I'm I'm just out of high school, into college. Cowboys 49ers were huge, right? This is when they were playing for the NFC Championship game every year. And you had Emmett and Troy and Aikman, and you had, you know, Steve Young, and both teams were loaded with talent. And the anticipation of those games, this is not for obviously the NFC championship, but just from a nostalgia standpoint, it's kind of cool to see both of these teams for me back in the playoffs. And and you know, from that standpoint, because you either loved the Cowboys or you hated them, and you were yeah. a big 40. The 49ers have a huge following, you know, obviously around the country as well with Joe Montana and all the things they were able to do in the eighties and then get into the nineties. It's just kind of cool to see these two teams playing again. Yeah, it is. I mean, that was certainly of that era um, of that decade, really. I think if you've talked about the best rivalries outside of um, divisional rivalries 
that would be there, you know. I mean, you would have said, you know, in the seventies, you could have said, you know, Raiders, Steelers. You could have said even Cowboys, uh, Steelers a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, remember when Charles Haley flipped teams? <laughs> the whole the whole division of right. of power flipped, right? Like, yeah, there were some interesting dynamics there. Fun stuff, man. Let's talk about Jaguars and the Chargers. This was the most disappointing loss. All season long, Brandon Staley, I, I, you know, again, I don't know how he keeps his job. Uh, this is unbelievable to blow a 27-point lead. And the way that it went down in the second half, I mean, you know, they didn't milk the clock. There were so many just clock management issues that I thought went wrong before for the uh, – not the Jags, but the Chargers. And give credit where credit's due. Trevor Lawrence throws four picks in the first half. First half. Yeah. Comes out and throws four yeah. touchdowns. In the second half, this was unbelievable, Jason. Yeah, it was, you know, and it took two to tango. As great as Lawrence was, it took um, the Chargers capitulating to give him the time and space needed to pull that off. Um, you know, th- there's just so much here. I mean, not having Mike <laughs> Williams available for that game, you know what I mean? Like, they were one big play, probably one more. One more first down, one 30, 40-yard play to flip field position away from winning that game. And the best guy to do that for them didn't make the trip because you got him hurt in a game that didn't matter the week before. Um, I think it was, again, um, there was a lot of comeuppance there. They, we've talked about it forever. They treat that quarterback like he's Skylar Thompson. Actually, Mike McDaniel let Skylar Thompson play more then the Chargers let Justin Herbert play, which is kind of shocking, um, but true. I mean, you go look at the the pass chart of the attempts for Herbert, um, you know, the graphical one. They're, they're, they're all within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's just – it's the same old garbage. Uh, there – they should have never brought that offensive coordinator back into this season. Um, it is uh, – again, there there's a certain um, – there's a certain sort of slap in the face element there that like everything that you thought you knew better, man, you didn't. Um, and whatever was going on with Bosa and Bosa was losing his cool. Bosa had bad penalties, but bro, <laughs> you're trying to close a game out where they're steamrolling you in the second half. And this guy just with one flick of the wrist with one burst can do what his brother did in that other game. Yep. And he's on the sidelines. Makes no sense. Makes I mean, no sense. So should he be terminated? Absolutely. Will the Spanos family spend the money that it takes to do it, put in the fight that it would take to go and conduct a coaching search, and be willing, we talked about this in the past, to break free from um, uh, the nepotism that's been fairly rampant in that organization because it's going to take something of a house cleaning to get someone like a Sean Payton. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. It's what they should do. Yes. I'm not sure it's what they will do. They'll probably just fire a coordinator and a couple of assistant coaches and run it back. Um, but it, 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 it's just – it was so Charger. Like, it was just – I mean, it was just epic Chargering. Uh, and I, look, as a kid – when the Colts left town here in Baltimore, I was and I already started following the Chargers before they left because, like, just try to find a highlight reel of like the 81, 82 Baltimore Colts. It, it was rough. 
And at the same time, you know, you had Eric Coriel, you had this amazing sort of offensive renaissance thing that was happening in San Diego. And I really was captured by that. So like, I feel for Chargers fans. Like I live through, you know, my share of charging. Um, and to have a, just that, I really think that quarterback is special. I mean, I, I, do too. I think he's really special and they have weapons on the outside. They, you know, even, you know, Everett's fine for them at tight end. Like there's so much there. And for them to lean away from that and just sort of do this dink and dunk, like just yeah, the co- the pathetic is, offense. Like is holding I, I mean, him back. The yeah. coaching is holding him back. And it's rare in this league where you see this, and it's so blatantly obvious that the coaching is holding a very talented player back because the player, listen, he's not calling the plays, right? Justin's not out there calling all of his plays. So the play calling comes into effect. And then, you know, the game planning you, all week long. Yeah. And yeah I mean, it, it's, it's, it's pathetic. I, I, well, I'm we just saw you. it. We saw it the year before with Trevor Lawrence. Now, I'm not saying Joe Lombardi is anything like, sure, like Urban Meyer in terms of his lack of preparation, his lack of effort, his lack of care, his lack of professionalism. Um, I'm not saying any of that, but just to the schematics and to what impact a coach can have on a quarterback. Um, we saw it with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that was immediately addition by subtraction. And then you go and get Doug Peterson. All right. Now that, yeah, that, that kid's got a chance to cook. He's cooking. The funniest thing for me all weekend, and it was a personal thing. I came, uh, I came home Saturday. I had, I had an event and it's, you know, they're, t- they're up 27 and I literally walk in and I, and I'm like, what, what happened? And my wife's like, ah, I don't know. And I said, they're going to come back. This is, there's no way they're not going to score points. And my wife goes, you're crazy. They're nobody coming back from 27 points. And at the end of the game, she's just looking at me like, did we just watch this? It was unreal, yeah. Jason. So I, uh, I thoroughly was entertained, but I do think Brandon yeah. Staley deserves to be fired. Period. Point blank. We'll see if the Chargers do it. Let's talk about what you just brought up with, with Skylar Thompson and, and the Bills. Closer game than we thought. Bills fighting for their lives here. And listen, I know they were big favorite points, point spread wise, but give the Dolphins credit, man. They showed yeah. up. They competed. Um, and, and if you're a Dolphin fan, I think, you know, and this goes for Dylan Fins up because he's our producer on this yeah. podcast. You got to be happy about the way that they performed and showed up without Tua because I, I think yeah. you have to think about the future potentially without Tua. Yeah, and look, I understand what their GM, Chris Greer, is saying and all the messaging there, which is, you know, two is our guy. Yeah, I mean, it's what they should be saying. Like, do we know how what Tua's career is going to look like at this point? Of course not. And, and you know, whether it's Skylar Thompson or, you know, I, I think somebody else has to be like, look, Skylar Thompson, you can keep developing him. You should. But whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or somebody else in that Teddy Bridgewater role, I think there needs to be. It's imperative that there's another veteran in that mix somewhere because of all the unknowns with Tua. Um, but yeah, Carl, they they fought their backsides off, and you know when that when that thing's seventeen nothing, you're thinking that this this it might be you know this might be forty one to ten, um, and it was anything but that. And this this game this weekend, this Buffalo Cincinnati game, like. I haven't loved what I'm seeing from either of those teams lately. Like they're winning, but they're winning in weird ways. Um, they're, they're, they're getting pushed by teams playing 
guys that really aren't ready to start in this league, but they look like starters against them. Um, there's something a little off with both those teams. With Cincinnati, I get it more because I think it's 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 injury related, and I think it's it, a lot of it's due to that offensive line systematically falling apart um, due to a lack of availability, guys getting hurt. I can't put my finger on it with Buffalo, but all the way around, you know, for them to be able – and here's the here's the thing that I don't think people are really talking about. If Hill and Waddle just do what they normally do early in that game, just catch the damn ball. Oh, my God. You know what yes. I mean? Like, they let yes. that poor Scott, – Skylar Thompson, was, they let him down for the first 20 minutes of that game. If those dudes just kept – now, maybe Waddle lost the one in the sun. I don't know. But if those dudes – I'm not even saying they have to be special. If they just perform like starting caliber NFL receivers early in that game, it, it could have been it could have been a shocking upset. And remember that that spread got up to 13 and a half before kickoff. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, the week before, obviously they were they were dealing a lot with DeMar Hamlin. And do I think that threw them off for a while and their schedules and just their yeah. mindset? I do, but like he, thank God he's out of the hospital. He almost, you know, he considered going to that game. Like, I don't think that headspace is what's wrong with them right now. There's something else going on. The quarterback is, is not that those picks were even necessarily on him, but I don't know. Like, it's bogging down in the red zone. The defense really needs Von Miller back. Um, and if they can't get pass rush against Cincinnati, where Cincinnati's really down to two starters now, right? It's the center and the left guard. Everything right. else is a is a is a mash unit right now. If the Bills can't wreak havoc in this one, um, then they just might be in trouble here. I mean, they that should be the mismatch in this game. And I know you and Baldy will get much more into that on Thursday. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bills won, and that's what the playoffs are about. But it did leave me scratching my head, um, and it did have me thinking like. That, you know, Miami really kind of won the final three quarters of that game. Here's the other thing about the Bills and where they are. Josh is, I'm not going to say regressing, but he's taking chances and doing things that I don't think he needs to do. And he's putting himself in jeopardy and he's causing himself to turn the ball over. You do that enough and you do it against the right team, it's going to cost you. They were lucky to get out of there alive on, on Sunday against the, the Dolphins. I, I don't know if you can do that, even with a mashed up offensive line against Joe Burrow, and give him those additional chances. I just, right. the Josh Allen thing is concerning only because it's almost like, Jason, he's pressing. Like, yeah. we're here. I'm supposed to get us back to the AFC Championship game. I'm supposed yeah. to get us back to the Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl. And I got to do everything I can. Ah, relax, yeah. bro. Relax. Like, you don't have to do all of this. That's kind of what's worrying me right now about Buffalo. Well, yeah, and on the other side of the ball. Um, Two picks, I mean, Leslie, way, Leslie, Leslie, yeah, Leslie Frazier's defense is built. Like, them having a 17-point lead with the zone they play, that should have been lights out, especially yep. against a third-string quarterback who's playing by default. Um you know, and a Dolphins team where Armstead came into that game not 100%. You know what I mean? There were questions about Miami's offensive line. Their best tailback, Mostert, wasn't up. And they still moved that ball up and down. Now, could you say, well, they were giving them underneath stuff like they were, you know, they were playing soft? Okay, but they played so soft, they, they blew a 17-point lead in like five minutes, three minutes, whatever it was. No, I don't 
think that time, bro. Like, I don't think it was by design that the 34 wins when you're at home against that team, as limited as they are offensively, and you're up, you know, three scores. So this game will be very, very interesting to me. I don't, I don't have a great feeling about either of these teams. There's obviously the specter of home field advantage. Um, and again, I don't think we can make too much out of the state of the Bengals uh, offensive line right now. But we also saw Burrow get hit 10. He got hit eight times Sunday night. We saw him get hit, what, 12 times in Tennessee last year and still win the game. So who knows? It's crazy. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 